Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Just a quick reminder before you listen to this installment of the free podcast novel that the second season is just about to get started and you can contribute right now if you go to kickstarter.com slash projects slash ruins of empire. There you can contribute as little as a dollar to keep this podcast up and running. You can even reserve a signed copy of Saturnius Mons and Templum Venerus. So go to kickstarter.com, look up Ruins of Empire, and make your mark on literary history. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, book one of the Ruins of Empire project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. Vaco Spade, a member of the Human Reconnection Project, woke up from hibernation aboard the corporate resource transport ship Innovation. While getting ready, he took a dose of Triple T, an illicit drug he smuggled on board. It remained mostly undetected during his medical review with the team medic and former lover, Althea Fallon, although it did raise her suspicion. Then the team leader, Isra Jacario, entered and announced that they were late for a meeting with Vince Laban, a corporate executive and director of the corporation's mission to Titan. Saturnius Mons, Chapter 2 There are few human emotions as base, vile, and creative as greed. It is a force that changed whole worlds beyond Earth. It is a drive that pulled people from the terrestrial Eden to far-flung colonies. It is also what ultimately stranded them. From The Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Rath The tight corridors through CRTS innovation were like some sort of small animal habitat in a madman's laboratory. It was a maze of cramped white plastic and aluminum that twisted and turned around each other so much that any sense of direction was jammed into the tumble dryer. Just to make it extra exciting, every corridor and hallway was packed with people. Engineers, soldiers, scientists, and crew members damn near had to crawl over each other in zero gravity. They all seemed to know where they were going, and they were all in a terrible rush to get there. Vago could barely make his way through it all. He found himself inching along the walls, trying to escape the press of humanity. We are late, Vigo, said Isra, several meters ahead. Some urgency, if you please. Isra took a ballistic approach to navigating the crowd. She moved with the assumption that people would get out of her way, and, not surprising given her normal demeanor, most of them did. Did you not hear me? We are late, and Laban will use that to his advantage, scolded Isra, nearly barreling into a worried-looking scientist. She was barely sociable at the best of times, but today she had all the goodwill and patience of a crocodile with a piece of driftwood crammed up his nethers. Who we meeting again? asked Vago, nearly dodging a couple of corporate executives coming the other way. Vince Laban, mission commander and energy consortium executive. That explained her mood. High-ranking corporate figures tended to be the immovable object to Isra's unstoppable force. Vago darted through the hole in the crowd. So what you want me to do? Show up and look tough. Vigo cursed and flung himself forward. It wasn't that he minded that people viewed him as the embodiment of rage and muscle packed into human form, but he hated being used like he was nothing but a predictable chess piece to be moved around when and where they wanted. But he kept his mouth shut. And yet somehow, 
without even looking back, Isra sensed his annoyance. She stopped and twisted around in the air. Faco, you are one of the finest extraterrestrial survival experts in the world, as well as a fine military tactician. I am aware, and trust me, I intend to bank on both of those skills when we are on Titan. But right now, I need a show of force. And you are the best visualization I can come up with on short notice. Vago grabbed a handhold to keep him from plowing into a couple of annoyed Corporation Marines and said, You think we're going to be needing a military tactician on Titan? I like to be ready for any number of scenarios, especially with the Corporation involved. Without another word, Isra pushed back down the corridor and through the crowds. Vega could only sigh and try to follow. Isra was nervous, and Isra didn't get nervous. The prospects on Titan were getting bleaker by the second. She continued to lead the way through the white plastic maze until she came to a hatch. At first glance, it was indistinguishable from the dozens they passed between here and the medical bay, except for a small digital sign above the door release that read, Vince LeBan, Mission Director. Without the slightest hint of hesitation or trepidation, Isra pulled the door release, pushed the hatch open, and pulled herself inside. Now, whoever Vince LeBan was, he seemed to be in some sort of denial when it came to space travel. He was a man who wasn't going to let a little setback like zero gravity keep him from having a well-ordered office. As Vigo pulled himself inside after Isra, he saw a desk complete with an in-and-out box and some kind of spinning office knick-knack. They were all, presumably, bolted to the top of the desk to keep them from floating away. The desk, along with a few chairs and a filing cabinet, were bolted to the floor, or ceiling, depending on how one entered the room. Vigo pushed himself towards the desk and tried to move the spinning thing attached to it. It was one of those toys for those who found themselves creeping towards terminal boredom. It used magnets to spin faster and longer than most things were intended to. That was, as near as Vago could figure, all it did. Vago flicked the spinning part. What sort of mind does this, you think? Isra just surveyed the room with a sense of awe and said, The kind that has never been told he cannot have something that he wants. In other words, the worst kind. A man entered from a hatch on the other side of the room. At least it was probably a man. Rats didn't normally grow that big or wear expensive black suits. He had a small scrunched-up face that radiated from a nose that was several sizes too big for his body. His jet-black hair was combed to a mathematical precision and heavily caked with something that could stop a bullet. He plastered a wide, amiable smile on his face and pulled himself down to the desk. Even his smile was the kind of fake, toothy grin that never precedes something honest or truthful. He situated himself in a grand, red-cushioned chair and gestured to the smaller chairs in front of the desk. Please, have a seat, he said. The way the man spoke made Vago want to look behind his chair for an oil slick. How exactly do you expect, Vago started to say. Then he noticed that every red antique chair was fitted with a lap belt. Once they were both seated and strapped in, Laban steepled his hands and said, I apologize that we were not able to speak before the entire crew went into hibernation. Your addition to the roster was... Immediate. He touched the top of his desk and a series of holographic documents appeared. He scrolled through a few pages, acting as if he forgot he had people in his office to talk to him. Vago felt a hot rise of anger, but Easter's expression remained perfectly still. After a few minutes, he waved his hands and the documents disappeared. While Ministry Corporation treaties allow oversight committees aboard transplanetary missions, 
you should inform your superiors that last-second additions, such as yours, disrupt the entire flow of a mission. This has been in the planning stages for months, and there was ample time for your people to request passage instead of forcing it on us hours before liftoff. Isra took a moment and smoothed out some of the wrinkles in her jumpsuit. This was something Isra did to take control of the situation. There was a complicated psychology involved, but it basically meant that the conversation would start when and how Isra wanted it to. I apologize, but it could not be helped. And, to be perfectly honest, we are not an oversight committee. Not exactly. I am here representing the Ministry's Human Reconnection Project, said Isra after a minute or so. Are you familiar? I am, said Laban. I seem to recall you did some excellent work on Mars and some of the Jovian moons, yes? I understand you brought back some very entertaining specimens, Laban flashed Vago a smug smile. The Martian closed his eyes and imagined caving Laban's skull in with a spinning knick-knack. It brought some measure of peace. Isra brushed a strand of hair out of her face. Yes, we discover and study lost civilizations stranded on other planets after Earth fell. Which brings us to why we are here. Time is a factor, and we could not wait to plan and execute a separate ministry mission. Setting aboard innovation as an oversight committee is what you might call a loophole. Laban's smile grew wider as if being irritated was a pleasant state of mind for the man. A loophole, Mr. Cario. I don't know what game you and the ministry are playing, but several ministry officers signed off on the mission specifics and... Isra interrupted. Tell me... Mr. Laban, are you aware of any evidence that Titan might harbor a civilization? Vago couldn't help but look at Isra on that one. It wasn't unusual for her to set people up for a lie, but she was typically a lot more subtle than that. She might as well have opened a bear trap inches from Laban's face. Laban's expression melted into something resembling concern. I see. I suppose I should offer my deepest apologies. It just so happens, Isra started automatically, I have documents that prove... Wait, what did you say? Yeah, what you say, said Vago. Laban laid his hands flat down on the table. Mr. Cario, your reputation within the ministry is impeccable. Furthermore, delaying a corporation mission so that you could make it on board is not a minor feat. The corporation runs on a schedule. I'm sure you know this, and the schedule waits for no one which tells me that you have found something, something I was not aware of, to be sure. This mission was planned in good faith and for the betterment of all humankind, so clearly there has been a miscalculation, and for that I am sorry. Incredible, thought Vago. The man managed a completely sincere apology while accepting exactly zero responsibility, for him or anyone else. Truly the sign of a born leader, at least by corporation standards. I have documents, said Isra, unwilling to let a good offensive go to waste leaked from corporation files about the hydrocarbon supply on Titan. May I upload a copy to your set path? The surface of the desk glowed faint blue and a series of icons appeared just above the surface. Laban touched a few. Please, go ahead. Isra touched the screen attached to her forearm. A few seconds later, numbers scrolled across the surface of the desk. Laban watched for a few moments and said, Ah, uh, yes. This is the hydrocarbon exploration analysis. It lists coordinates on the moon and the level of hydrocarbon deposits that might be available. Not might, said Isra, folding her arms. These figures are far too precise to be scanned from orbit. These numbers came from the ground, pulled from some kind of surface insulation settled before the fall. 
That means there is still working technology on Titan, which proves that someone's there to tend to it. Furthermore, the corporation knows this. The numbers disappeared and Laban leaned forward and put his hands together as if pleading. Like I said, I offer my deepest apologies. I had no idea where these numbers came from. All I knew is that they were good enough to fund a mission. You had no idea, said Isra. Miss Jacario, I know you view the corporation as a group of power-hungry sociopaths that would sell their own grandmothers to an organ dealer for a promotion in the corporate ranks. And your assumption is more accurate than even you know. When our technicians found this information, I will bet their first instinct was to keep the source a secret. But protecting our investment is hardly a crime. It is when you withhold information regarding the violation of a ministry treaty. Only if such a violation is known, but as I've tried to explain, Mr. Cario, I had no knowledge regarding the source of the data. Isra smiled, but there wasn't an ounce of friendliness contained in it. It was the smile of a predator who just found its prey cornered. Ignorance is not a defense. You are in charge of this mission, which means that any and all activity is the responsibility of the managing personnel, interrupted Laban. Fair enough. How about a show of good faith, then? What can I do for the Human Reconnection Project? First of all, your landing zone between the Lagia Mar and the Kraken Mar has to change. I have reason to believe there is a population at that location, and the last thing I need is for you to drop landers right on top of them. Laban took a deep breath and Isra braced herself for a fight. It was a confrontation that was expected and necessary. There was no way that Laban would give up his landing zone, but it would give Isra a starting point to compromise. Very well. We have a backup landing zone on a peninsula approximately 60 kilometers to the east. We will begin operations there if that is your wish. Or there was the possibility that he would just roll over and give Isra whatever she wanted. It was not a contingency that Vago had anticipated, and from the look on Isra's face, neither had she. Wait, you are willing to move the landing zone? said Isra. As a show of good faith, said Laban, spreading his hands. I can move it further east if you would like, but if I go much further away, it will be harder for you to get to that population. You are going to visit them while you are there, yes? Uh, yes, uh, of course, said Isra. Then I will arrange a crawler for you and your team. I can also arrange a military escort if you would like. No, said Isra, dropping the word like a steel weight. I do not want anyone corporate anywhere near that city. Do I make myself clear? Crystal, said Laban, again spreading his hands in a gesture of surrender. I will see to it personally that no member of my team gets within 25 kilometers of the city. Isra leaned back again, confused. It was like getting into a boxing match with a waterfall. Is there anything else me or my team can do for you, said Laban. Isra sat and stared for a moment. Every part of Laban's face practically radiated sincere helpfulness. Vega wondered if Isra saw anything else. If she did, she didn't say anything. My guns, said Vago. I had them surrendered when I boarded the shuttle on Earth. I'm going to need them once we hit dirt. Isra flashed him a glare and he added, What? He asked if there was anything else he could do. Of course, said Laban, with his voice like engine grease. All weapons confiscated before hibernation are stored in the armory. I will make sure they are delivered to our military depot on Titan. You may pick them up there, good enough? Vago nodded. I have to admit, said Isra suspiciously, I did not expect you to be this helpful. You are aware, if we find a lost civilization on Titan, 
The ministry will force you to halt your hydrocarbon extraction operation. Delay, said Laban abruptly, temporarily, if you find something. Vago folded his arms. What do you mean, if? Laban reached out to touch the holographic documents in front of him. The pages cycled to the left with every flick of his wrist. Well, your only real proof that there is anyone on Titan is the fact that our orbital scans were too accurate. Issa pushed against the restraints that held her in her seat. They are too accurate. Nobody can get that level of detail from orbit. Laban waved his hands and the document disappeared. The ministry can't. I think you will find that, within the corporation, all things are possible if they are profitable enough. But that is not the point. I am willing to help you because I have nothing to hide. And if, by some miracle, you are correct, and there is a civilization on Titan that has been lost to us, then we will gladly cooperate to ensure their safety and prosperity. The corporation is on Titan to make a profit. But I would like to believe we are building something bigger than that. We are on the precipice of a new age. We must move forward as a civilization without repeating the mistakes of our past. He held out his hand towards Isra. She shook it and said, It does my heart good to hear you say that. We are currently in a transfer orbit, Laban said, releasing Isra's hand. We'll be firing the engines that will put us into a stable orbit above Titan very soon. It would be wise to find a safe place for you and your crew. Thank you. I will do that, said Isra, unstrapping herself from the seat. Vago followed her as she pulled herself back into the hallway. There ain't no way he's not up to something, said Vago after they were far enough away. I am aware, said Isra. Her voice had a sub-zero quality to it. And if he don't got something rolling around his noggin, he'd have fought you on some of that. He just rolled over like a broke dick dog. I am aware. So what you want to do about it? asked Vago, losing his patience at Isra's constant monotone. Nothing. Nothing? Isra grabbed a handhold that brought her to a quick stop and flipped around. If we do anything to cause trouble now, he can go to the ministry and rightfully claim that he cooperated to the best of his ability. He has got us right where he wants us. Is there any chance he was being truthful in there? Isra scowled. The only time the corporation is ever truthful is when they are sliding a knife between your ribs. But for now, play nice. When Laban makes his move, we react, but not before. Isra turned and pulled herself down the corridor. The worst thing about the crew decks was the stench. It was the sweat and shit of 500 marines and engineers recirculated in the same confined space for over 14 months. It made even the bare aluminum walls feel greasy as Laban floated through the crowd. And there were people everywhere. Ever since he left the executive deck, Vince Laban felt crushed against the walls by the constant flow of humanity. And even though people took one look at his pressed black suit and gave him extra room, there was still something claustrophobic about this place. In truth, he would never be found outside the executive decks, but Laban was a pragmatic man above all else. Isra Jacario seemed satisfied for the time being, but that was temporary. She would start to cause trouble soon enough, and it would be best to have an agent in play. Laban found the marine barracks just as a recorded message played through the speakers. Orbital thrusters engaging in one minute. All personnel and cargo must be secured immediately. Repeat, orbital thrusters in one minute. 
Corporate soldiers in dark blue uniforms and gray body armor scrambled to find a place to strap in as the recorded message continued. Places to sit were filling up, but there were a group of seats around one Marine in particular that were noticeably vacant. He had a large scar etched down the side of his face and short, blonde hair cut to exact corporate standards. He sat alone, sharpening a knife with a leather strap held between one hand and his foot. The blade looked long enough to run through two or three people if he put enough effort into it, and he looked like the type who would give it a try. LeBan pulled himself into a seat next to the soldier and buckled his seatbelt. It is my understanding that weapons are not allowed aboard a Corporation spacecraft. The man slid the blade up and examined the edge. They make an exception for me, because I'm such a nice guy. Can I help you, sir? Vince detected an air of sarcasm in the Marine's voice, bordering on defiant. Sergeant Carr, am I right? You'd be right. He ran the knife back down the strap and said, And just what can I do for you? The speakers clicked on again. Forty-five seconds until orbital thrusters. I have a problem. I am told you have a gift for solving problems. Problems that need to be taken care of... discreetly. The soldier continued to sharpen his knife. When it became clear that Carr had no intention to react, Laban continued. You are aware we have some... guests on this mission, Sergeant? Carr shook his head. We are not to engage, hinder, molest, or interact with Ministry personnel in any way without express permission from command. That would be you, sir. And of course, I would never give an order contrary to the wishes of the great corporation. The CEO himself has expressed his wish that no action will be taken against the Ministry or the Human Reconnection Project. Well, that saves us some time, said Carr, returning his attention to the knife. I need someone to watch and report back to me. Someone to make sure that they are following the treaties between the Ministry and the Corporation. Sir, you are in the wrong compartment, sir. Agents are further up. You probably passed them on your way here. Laban smiled. Agents require paperwork. I need some work done off the books. Fifteen seconds, said the computerized voice. All personnel... Work like that is highly illegal, sir. You will be compensated, of course. Why, if I may ask, are you so eager to keep this off the books? I was put in charge of this mission to ensure that the corporation has control of the hydrocarbon fields on Titan, and I intend to do that. The corporation may be bound by the treaties with the ministry, but I am not. I may be punished for my actions if they are ever found out, but it is a risk I can assume. Kind of a human sacrifice thing? Suffer for the greater good? Something like that. Carr sheathed the knife. I want $600 million in corporate fiat. $300 million paid in full to an account in my wife's name before we land on Titan. And I want to verify that she received it. The other $300 million is due upon my return to innovation. The voice started the countdown. Ten. Nine. Eight. That is a lot of money. But it can be arranged. Then I believe we have a deal. The countdown ended and the ship jolted forward as the nuclear engines all fired at once to slow the ship into a stable orbit around the moon. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. 
Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.